I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. Not just joined by Brew and myself today, we have two wonderful guests. We're here to talk draft more than anything. It's a bit hard to discuss classic in the middle of November when we don't have prices available. Uh, but we are joined by Tom from Fig Jam Sports. How are you going, mate? Oh, sick, mate. That's good. Good. So, good. so excited to be. It's like Christmas Day. Yeah, mate. Thanks for thanks for coming on. I've I've obviously joined you on a numerous amount of times discussing all things NFL. Um, but yeah, good to have you on for the for the draft chat. And we're also joined by Ryan from Supercoach365. You guys that would have listened to the podcast last year, we had Ryan on to discuss uh, the rule changes and we got pretty detailed about that. So who knows what's going to come up with the draft. Ryan, how are we going? Yeah, good. Thanks, boys. Uh, good to be here. It's November, but Supercoach, it never sleeps. So uh, well and truly in the off-season at the moment, but all eyes on 2022. And as you say there, we caught up back end of the 21 season, Josh, and uh, it was to chat the the scoring and does it need to change? Will it change heading into the new year? And it's all on the back of one man and uh, one man that's going to feature in this chat pretty heavily, I think. Definitely, definitely. Look, the rules for, for today are um, we, we just did a top 20 draft board. We weren't drafting a team per se, so maybe there's some, some selections might not make sense. Um, Tom can discuss his first two picks and that would not make sense in a traditional Supercoach standpoint. But um, for everyone watching on YouTube, um, you'll see the visual in front of us here. For you guys watching on, uh, not sorry, listening on Spotify or Apple, uh, I encourage you to come and check out the YouTube. It's the exact same name as the podcast. Uh, a lot of visuals coming up, so... We'll be, we'll be sort of discussing them, pointing towards them and using them for, for more debate. But the draft order, off the top of my head, I think it went Ryan, myself, Brew, and then Tom. We're doing a snake order and just a mock draft, basically. And, and we're going off last year's scoring. Not that it matters, but I've sort of just put this as a no-captain's league, but not that really... I don't really think that affects the, uh, the order too much. So we'll leave things off with Ryan. With the number one pick, mate, I don't think it's a surprise here as to who we're taking. Yep, uh, hinted at it just a moment ago, but Tom Travojevic, just a clear standout here and um, what he brings to Supercoach is unlike any other player and really proved himself uh, on the injury front last year. He stayed fit and uh, worthy number one pick for next season. Now, look, we'll, we'll go discussion in order of the way that you guys can see it on screen. It'll go me, Brew, Tom, then Ryan. He's, he's made his pick. I'll give my initial thoughts on Turbo. There's not too much to discuss here. I don't think there is a regression on the cards. Uh, 143 average or whatever it is is ridiculous. I don't think that can be maintained. Um, but I still think the regression will be far and away superior. Then the next best man, Brew. Um, well, Tom Trebojevic, he had to be number one, didn't he? Um, even if there is regression, I think he's still clearly number one by a very great distance. So good pick, Ryan. I support it. Mr. Joe Yeah, Burrow. and as we do this... Oh, sorry. No, no, you go, right, mate. You go. Yeah. Yeah. As we do this, it is November, and important to say it's uh, we are drafting this on the basis or with the thinking of the scores are remaining the same for 2022, which they may not. And you mentioned regression yep. there, Whisper, and it's obviously something to consider. And 
you know, we can only work with what's in front of us here and going off the scores from last year. Suddenly, if they cut attacking stats in half, and Tommy may not go as a number one pick, which is surprising given how well he was uh, or how much better he was than everyone else last season. Exactly. Tom, yep. I'm, I'm assuming you don't have any uh, any disagreement with this first nah. pick? No, nah, no, nah, that's fine. No, mate, I what? mean, you're going to, even if they cut the tries back to 10 points and line breaks, line breaks back to, I don't know, half of what they are now, he's still. He's still firing away. Second. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so. I agree with that. Like, you could, you can reduce the scoring, but you're not going to reduce the amount of tries and try assists that Tom can create that other people simply cannot create. And I think that puts him well and truly number one by a country mile. Exactly. Look, I've got the number two pick. And believe it or not, there was some consideration behind taking the man who's gone third. Um, but we have decided to land on Nathan Cleary as the second pick. No real surprise there. Uh, by far and away the best halfback, it is not close in a position that is pretty thin. You've got one absolute premium and then probably one next best, depending on um, where someone later in this draft will fall, believe it or not. I think he could be in for, for a good year. But Nathan Cleary at two, I don't really think it's... I think these first two picks sort of pick themselves, Brew. Yeah, look, um, you could debate that there's other people that could have gone at two. Um, who we'll talk about a little bit later, but positionally Cleary is far and away the best. I think he's got a long way actually to go positionally in terms of points per season. Uh, I think he's got a lot more to offer. He hasn't come into his best football yet, in my opinion. Um, The next few years of his career are probably going to be the best years of his career. Um, So can he top Tom Travoyevic? Probably not. Um, But as a goal-kicking halfback, in the best team in the competition, which is proven by the premiership. They're starting next year as premiership favorites. I don't think you can go wrong picking Nathan Cleary and you've definitely got to start in that position, a position that is lacking probably of studs for next year. Number two overall pick, Tom, no disagreements here? No, no, it's fine. All right, that's uh, Ryan, if you want to weigh in on, on the Cleary debate, I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're of a similar opinion as the rest of us though. Yeah, he has to be number two for mine. I actually had him as number one pick overall last year, which raised some eyebrows um, purely off the thinking of halfback being such a, a you know thin, it's a shallow position there and the next best doesn't kick goals. Um, yeah, I mean, Teddy was everyone's number one pick last year, but I went with Cleary for that number of reasons we've already touched on there. But um, looking here, he just falls behind Tommy Turbo for mine. With the third overall pick, it's up to Brooke. Yeah, so we picked number three of the draft. Uh, Brew picked Ryan Pappenhausen. Um, now, Pappy last year at the start of the season started hot, um, and I'll go into that a little bit. So over the first five games of last year, Ryan Pappenhausen averaged 117.4. Um, now, in that period, I should note that he averaged nearly 20 points in goal kicking, but that's probably not surprising how Melbourne went last year. Um, he obviously then went down with concussion. He went down with injury. Uh, we saw the rise of Nico Hines. He then did a time split uh, upon his return to protect him. Uh, over the last three games of the season, we finally did see Pappenhausen play 80 minutes again. Over those three games, he averaged over 100. Now, in those games, he only averaged eight points uh, for goal kicking. So if you give him those extra 12 points, he's pretty close to his season average. And for that reason, I think that Pappenhausen can challenge Tom Trebojevic for the number one fullback spot. Do I think he can beat him? Maybe, probably not. But in terms of how far above 
Turbo was everyone last year in this draft, I'm definitely going to take the person who I think can challenge him the most. And that is Ryan Pappenhausen. Yeah. Look, I alluded to, to Pappenhausen with the number two pick. I am huge on him. Uh, I said on this podcast a few weeks ago that I think he is the number one must have player when it comes to classic, just in terms of price point and, and the others around him. I really like Pappenhausen. I think he can challenge those top two picks. Uh, a lot of people would disagree with, with Tedesco and, and that's totally fine. If you draft Teddy at three, I'm, I'm not hating that at all. I, I am huge on, on Pappenhausen, and I feel like if Turbo does regress a little bit and Pappenhausen does increase as what we expect he will, um, they might be a little bit closer together, and that's where I feel the value comes in classic. But for draft, it is hard not to take Turbo number one, um, but Pappenhausen, I, I, definitely a, a solid, solid three if you fall to that spot in your draft, uh, Tom. Yeah, I did, I did a, bit of, a bit of research on Pappenhausen uh, because of my next pick, and I won't get onto that peak just yet, but Pappenhausen, I was actually quite surprised. He, the games he played at 80 minutes, his base and power was 60 points. For a bloke that size, to have a base and power of 60 points, I thought that was huge when I went when I went through back through all these games. Um, he averaged 115 points in games he played 80 minutes, like 1.32 points per minute. That For such a little guy, that base number... I expected it to be 40, 42. And when I added it up, like 58.9 or something. I was like, Jesus. Did that so, include yeah, his um, that's a good goal pick. kicking, Tom? No. Just, um, no, what is it? Base and evade or whatever it is on the Supercoach Stats um, website. This is just a personal preference, but for me, I actually include goal kicking for goal kickers as part of their B plus P. Yeah, good point. I might mm. not include it at the point of their peak, but I try and find an average and add that to their BP plower, and then you'll get a rough guide of where their, their real floor is. So if you're saying, what was the figure that you said that he had for base plus power? 60. So let's say we go with eight, which was the floor that he had at the end of the season where he was splitting time mm. with Hines. That's that's nearly 70 average. On a, mm. And that's, that's with the, on his worst day, those yes. crazy games. That is mm, that is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ryan, what are your thoughts on Pap at three? Can you get behind him potentially being a two if people are worried about Nathan Cleary's injury being out for a month? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, we've all we all agree that Ryan Pappenhausen is... Uh, if not the best fullback option behind Turbo, he's, he's definitely right up there in the conversation. And um, I would die on the Ryan Pappenhausen Hill. I drafted him at three in my own league last year. And um, obviously not to know the the impact and the, the season that Nico Hines would have. And I think Pappenhausen came back a different player uh, after the concussion knocks as the one that we saw before um, when he was just in a league of his own. And we spoke about Ryan Pappenhausen to start the year the way we spoke about Tom Travojevic towards the back end. So uh, absolutely, I think Pappenhausen back now into his fifth season of NRL, I think. You mentioned his courage uh, for a smaller fullback. Um, definitely, I can see him taking the line a little bit more this year with uh, obviously um, a little bit more confidence back in the body and, and in the head as well. So Ryan Pappenhausen, pick number three, I, I can't argue with now, Tom, on the turn, uh, pick number four. Yeah, now we were draft. We weren't actually drafting a team here, so my two picks. I did have to clarify this before I took my two picks. We were just going. We're just ranking the top twenty players. Um, at pick four, I've taken Tedesco. Fairly clear. Um, now, if I was being honest, I would highly consider taking Tedesco at three if it was 
my own draft. Um, and that is because I'm going to gamble on Luke Keary this year. I think Luke Keary is going to have a monster year this year. Tedesco had a, if I can say shit, he had a, for Tedesco's standards, he had a fairly shit year in 2021. It was still his second highest season for total super coach points. And Luke Keary missed 90% of the season. Um, so I'm, I'm gambling on Luke Keary to have a massive year, which means that Tedesco is going to go huge. Uh, so I've taken Teddy at four. I'm very happy with, with getting him at four. We'll swap things up. Ryan, do you want to lead us off with, with Tedesco? I think, um, you know, further to Tom's point there, the impact of Kiri upon Teddy to start the year uh, in 2021, that is, first three uh, rounds from Teddy, 162, 111, 74. Of course, uh, Kiri went down in round three against Souths with that ACL tear. So um, shows you there, I don't know what the quick maths is, 340 divided by three, it's over 100. Um, average Tedesco when Kiri was in the team to start the year last year. Uh, I mentioned already that Teddy was everyone's number one pick, if not well, 99.9% of everyone's draft league's number one pick last year. Um, and he justified it, I think, with those numbers and obviously had that bit of a low in the mid- middle of the year, but um, finished with a, with a wet sail, a couple of scores in the 90s and two scores over 100, one of those being 182 in round 23 against the Dragons. So it just shows you, yeah, on his day, when running red hot, uh, James Tedesco most certainly could be a top three pick that falls to number four here. Now, you two boys have covered pretty much everything when it comes to Teddy. Um, Brew and I, I guess we'll give our insights onto Tom's fifth pick. Tom, do you want to let us know who that is? So with fifth, actually, this is actually a very hard spot to pick from pick five. And there's a lot of players here on, I think, the first four pick themselves. And pick five, I've gone for Latrell Mitchell. And to be honest, I wasn't happy about that pick. I kind of wanted to drift away from the fullbacks. If I was taking... If I had pick five in a draft, I think I'm banking on getting a fullback in the middle of the second. Gutho, maybe Ponger if he falls that far. Um, players like that. And and I would take a Cody Walker or possibly Cameron Munster. I think you've got to take Latrell Mitchell. When you go through his stats last year, again, he was injured a bit. He was suspended a lot. He just scored massive last year, and it, and like he didn't have that good of a year. Like when you watched him play, he didn't look that involved. He just leaked super coach points. So Latrell Mitchell at five, he's the right player there. Yeah, you, you touch on that. Like the thing with Latrell is he had a down year in in terms. Of, if you look at what the media was saying, he had a down year. You look at Cody Walker, who mm. had a simply sensational year according to the media. And don't get me wrong, his numbers were fantastic. But Cody Walker averaged, I think, it was two point one points more than Latrell. And Latrell picks up the goal kicking next year. Uh, we we have to remember that Adam Reynolds has departed. Latrell will be the the number one choice goal kicker. I am huge on Latrell to the point where if you drafted him at four over Tedesco, I wouldn't be upset. Like I am I am that high on on Latrell. I just think he's he's in for a superstar year. I think it's going to be him and Cody Walker having to run the show completely. I I love this pick. You touched on the point of him um, having to go so early because I think you guys like your Gutho, your Pongers, your Dufties. Um, even someone like a Hines, if you want to take a little bit higher. Like, these are your second-tier fullbacks, and there is plenty of them this year. If you miss out on Turbo, Pappenhausen, Tedesco, Luttrell, I think you can wait for these next-tier fullbacks and plug another position, uh, which I think Brew has done with his next pick. 
Am I going to my next pick or am I talking about Latrell? Just go to your next pick for us, please, mate. So my next pick was Harry Grant. Um, so Harry Grant was my next pick because I feel like that is a position where there is very limited guns. Now, I think there's probably going to be three guys that you can pick next year at hooker. And if you don't pick them, you're probably going to be in a world of hurt unless you get really lucky. Um, so Grant last year, obviously, he, he started the season late. Uh, he then came back. He got injured again. Uh, he then had to work back into it again. He pretty much played last year majorly as a 14 and not as a nine. Um, whether or not that continues next year, uh, we'll have to see. Um, there's going to be a lot of factors that come into this. Um, if Brandon Smith leaves that club and you're Craig Bellamy, do you go with your gun hooker or do you com- you continue to play the guy that you know is leaving the club? Personally, I would then move uh, Smith probably to the bench um, and get him as an impact player off the bench and I'll be playing Harry Grant for as many minutes on that field as I can. Um, last season, he averaged 59 minutes. Um, now stock standard hookers probably only average around 60 minutes these days, 60, 65. And then you have a bench hooker that takes 15 or 20 off them. Harry Grant is not that guy. Harry Grant is your Cameron Smith. You want him playing 70 to 80 minutes every single week. In my opinion, um, I feel like he's coming off an injury hampered season when he, was on the field last year, he had 1.25 PPM. Imagine if that guy gets 70 minutes, you could have a 85 average hooker. That's elite. Like that's elite for any position. And if you can get that at hooker and bank on getting, you know, a floor of say 60, 65 points a week, take that and run because you'll pick up points every single week on anyone that doesn't have one of those say top three hookers. So in my opinion, Grant is an out-and-out stud, uh, no doubt about it. He needs the minutes, uh, and I think you'll get them this year. We've got to remember Nelson asfa Solomona is pretty open about being anti-vaxxed, uh, which will hurt his game time. We also see Dale Finucane exit the building, which I think opens up some minutes for Brandon Smith to play a little bit of lock, which definitely helps Harry Grant. Taking him at six here, I have no qualms about. You mentioned him being the star-studded option in a pretty weak position. Now, I know that last year in the centre wings, we had guys going off left, right and centre, Alex Johnson, Josh Adokar, but my seventh pick was the star of the show in the centre wing. He can be your captain option in a draft league. He is a base stat monster. It is none other than Ryan To'o. Uh, I wouldn't say a breakout year because we know what he's capable of, but definitely put himself into the mainstream sort of area. Uh, when it comes to To'o, yeah, we know what we're getting from him. He's huge base stats. And on the end of a pretty potent Penrith attack, Ryan, do we like taking Toto as high as seven, or, or is he one of these guys you think might fall out of the top ten? I think it depends who you ask. I think, you know, obviously someone who knows the draft leagues back to front might find, you know, a bit of value there with uh, Toto at seven. Um, I guess my general rule of thumb when doing a draft is is to take, you know, particularly around picks four, five, six, um, is to take the next or the best player in in their respective position so for example like the best fullback is probably already gone with turbo the best halfback's already gone with cleary um so and and arguably the best hook already gone with grant so to go towards the best ctw at seven not a bad shout um i guess as you say there he's essentially a prop who scores 
tries, which is unheard of. The amount of work he gets through, um, it is second to none in that position. So when you can bank on your winger getting 65 points on a bad day out, it's pretty incredible. And obviously playing down that favoured left side of Penrith, uh, it's a scary prospect. I don't. I still don't think we've seen the best of Brian Thor. A prop no. that plays wing is probably the best analogy that I, that I have heard, mate. Um, do you want to lead us off into your eighth pick? Yeah, kind of echoing my sentiments there about picking the next best in their position. Uh, I don't think we've had a 5'8 to this point, so that's why I went the way of Cody Walker uh, at pick number eight, which is phenomenal. You think the best 5'8s from the 2020 season heading into 21, and it was Walker or Munster. It was a racing two, really, before some other names emerged, like uh, Adam Dewey. Um, but Walker, what we've seen from him last year is he is the main man in that South's attack. He'll be even more so again now that Reynolds isn't there. I think that left side, it's its almost so predictable that it's still even better because you know it's coming, but you can't stop it. So Cody Walker, what he offers, we've already spoken about Latrell, Alex Johnston, you've mentioned. I think he is the clear pick at number six, given the fact that Adam Dewey is missing the start of the year with that uh, injury. Now, am I am I reading this wrong? Are you on the turn, mate? Do you get nine as well? Yep, that's the way it is. And I know we weren't drafting a team, um, but it was a little bit hard to kind of do this without being selfish and not looking at who's in your own backyard. So <laughs> I did go, and this is maybe a little bit of a controversial pick, this high up, and I know it got uh, our tongues wagging, but Cameron McInnes, the forgotten man, I think, at pick number nine, um, you know, out of sight, out of mind last year, obviously suffered that ACL injury. Uh, when still at the Dragons uh, at the back end or the start of the 2020 season, uh, 2021 season, sorry, uh, finds his way to Cronulla. I'm assuming his dual position here, and that's why I've picked him this high. I'm um, thinking he plays hooker and maybe the 2RF slot as well. So, Gam McInnes pick nine, uh, and we'll get into reasons why, but I think it's it could be a value pick of the draft. You boys cannot see my reaction with the way they're recording, but I threw my hands up in the air instantly. I made this known that that Ryan is super high on Cam McInnes, me not so much. I think he'll be good. I just worry about these these guns that, that came in before Peter Valandi ball. We look at guys like Isaiah Yo who had a falling off, and Cam McInnes plays a very similar role. I, I Like you said, it's hard to, to not be biased with these draft picks because it's it's hard to separate yourself from a team aspect. But look, if he can, if he can come back firing, he is by far and away probably the best hooker, I would say, over Grant. Um, but I, like many others, I think we're banking on him, starting off a little bit slow off an ACL. The one big positive for McInnes, though, is it did happen so early on. So he's had the entire yeah. a t- entire year to get over this and, and, and come back in a full preseason. So it's not like he's had the injury in August and he's sitting out until yeah. the start of the preseason. He does get a, a big, big tick there in my book. It's just a... It's, it's, it's one of those ones where if... If we're playing a 10-man draft, I don't know if I can be confident to take McInnes in the first round because your first-round pick is essentially your captain for the rest of the year, and it, it's hard to have McInnes there. I know that Brew is very, very keen on Cam McInnes, so I'll let him sort of lead off on, on his standpoints. Yeah, uh, for those listening at home, uh, we did this in a uh, in a group chat, and uh, when Ryan took Cam McInnes, I was not very happy uh, because I was planning to take him with my next pick. So... Part of the reason I really like him for draft is because if if he's dual, and I feel like he will be dual, I think he will be dual hooker uh, second row because I I don't know where he's going to play next year. Can any of you say where he's going to play next year? 
Probably no. not. Uh, so oh. for that reason, I think he will be dual hooker all second row because they probably don't know when they're necessarily going to play him at the moment. Um, and given that fact, if he ends up playing lock, but he's available at hooker, suddenly you've got a guy that could be playing a minimum of 65 minutes who we know has attacking upside, who we know can strip them in the ruck. And we're talking about PVL and we're talking about it negatively, but are you telling me that a guy like Cameron McInnes can't take sneaky runs up the ruck and get line breaks or get a line break and then have, have another big bopper who's fallen inside him or a five eighth or a fullback and an inside ball. Then you've got a line break and a try assist as well. Mm. You give this bloke 20, 25 attacking stats. Suddenly this is a 90 average. Now, obviously he's not going to do that week in and week out, but if you have a guy that you can pick at hooker or second row, who is dual in draft, and you have to factor in that obviously you have bye weeks, et cetera, et cetera, who you can move around to cover positions, which is more valuable than what you think. That is extreme value for me. So for classic, I'm very high on him. I've said that previously on podcasts, but I'm very high on him pending price. If he's 700 K, not as, not as handy as being 500 K, yeah. but for draft that dual functionality, he's attacking upside under the new rules and the fact that you know he's an Iron Man, you know he can play 80 minutes if need be, he's probably going to get at least 60 minutes. That's all the way to the bank for me, 100% done. I think I think also uh, if you look back at the scores from 2020, I think he scored, I've got it here, he scored over uh, 87 of his 18 games. Four of those were over 90. So, I mean, suddenly, and this is, you mentioned that PVL ball and what does that look like for a player like Cam McInnes? He's probably not as as explosive as a Cam Murray. I think we'll agree with that. He's probably not as big and, and robust as an Isaiah Yo, but he's almost that hybrid. I think he can play. I think he can even play bigger minutes um, than sixty. I mean, I think that's probably being you know a little bit um, generous to to Cam. I think he can go on and play seventy upwards. And I guess the question mark is how he fits in with Blake Braley there for the Sharks, who has uh, traditionally played closer to eighty minutes. And I think if anyone's going to get a rest out of those two, I think it would be Blake. Um, yep. just the experience of Cam uh, and obviously that ability to play almost the reverse role of Josh Hodgson and start in 13 and then go to nine and, and give the more, I guess, explosive dynamic runner that is Braley a, a break. It's it's a luxury to have for the Sharks. If this was- and he's a very good defender as well. And the other thing you need to factor in is, is that he's been playing in a poor side. I personally think that the Sharks are a top six side next year. If you have him following blokes who are actually really talented and scoring a lot of points, and the Sharks already scored a lot of points last year in a bad side or a mediocre side. If If they're going to be, you know, average to possibly really good next year, Mm. Cam McInnes is a guy that can really shine off the back of that. Yeah, look, if if this was 2021, if we were drafting this um, 11 months ago, I'd, I'd definitely get behind it. And if you told me he'd come back, what we saw him was, I can get behind this. I'm just worried about the ACL. Look, Tom, you've been sitting there on your hands wanting to say something. Yeah, so I'll let you comment. <laughs> I'll let you comment on my 10th pick and we'll, and we'll round out the top 10, which is David Fafita. Uh, look, machine last year, inconsistent at times, but always found a way to score. Yeah, that's, that's a fine pick. I, I want to go back to Cam McInnes. Sorry, to go back. Just biting your tongue there, wait, waiting for Saturn. <laughs> Hey, can I ask a question about Cam McInnes? Of Are course. we too strict for time? No, mate, you go for it. What What if Craig Fitzgibbon comes out and says he's a lock and Supercoach has him as 2RF only? What are we doing with him? I think that decreases his value immensely. 
draft, yes, it probably does limit him a little bit. Classic, and I know we're not talking about classic today, but classic price dependent. Yeah, I, I don't think it so, matters. I don't think it matters for classic because there's a couple of good cheap hookers we could fill in. Um, but if he was, if he was to, if Craig McKenzie came in and said he is playing 13, 13 alone, and his super coach draft stock was just just two RF, I think I think that hinders him to potentially pushing outside the top twenty. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard to disagree, really. I think it's, I guess, the reason, and, and I kind of did an asterisk when I let it be known I was picking him this high, was around his dual position eligibility. It's just, yeah. it's just, uh, it's obviously valuable in classic. It's twice as valuable in draft to be able to uh, shift players of that caliber around between, I guess, the such a thin position of hooker. Uh, you know, arguably on his day, he could be the best hooker in the game. A, a little bit like Brandon Smith last year. At times, he was the best hooker option. Um, in the game, even though he was sort of playing a mixed role. So it, it's just in draft, it's about capitalizing on, I guess, those little inconsistencies or discrepancies in the game itself. Yeah. Of course. So, yeah, we'll go back to pick 10. Um, I ended up taking David Fafita. Yeah, I think he scored 17 tries in 21 games or something absolutely ridiculous. The bloke did sort of slip in there at the starting side, was a bit of a, a liability for 65 minutes of the game, but always found a way to pull it out. And yeah, by far the way the, the best 2RF I think this year with with Isaiah Papali'i and, and his sort of future up in the air. Um, yeah, as I said, Tom, are we liking the Fafita pick at ten? Is, is he warranted to go that high? That's fine. Uh, personally, I'm not taking David Fafita. I'm when I'm when I'm drafting the first three rounds, I'm drafting off pure base, and you know he he just. Like he scored seventeen tries. Like he's a second rower that's scoring seventeen tries. Is he going to keep that up? I, I don't know. Is he a, is he a first round pick if he only scores ten tries, which is more likely of what's going to happen next year? Um, I, I mean, if he scores that many tries again, then you've got to bargain at ten. But I just can't see it happening. I can't see him scoring that many tries again. And they've lost their halfback. Not that that's. I don't think it makes a massive difference on David Fafita, but surely it impacts him somewhat. Um, probably something we haven't really considered on on David Fafita. Yeah, before we, we before we round off for an intermission break, uh, rounding at the top 10, we'll touch on that Titan spine quickly. Now, Brew and I have touched on this from a classic standpoint. I personally think it'll be Jaden Campbell at one, and then you probably see AJ Brimson at six, Toby Sexton at seven, who I really like as well. And and um, if Sexton can link up with Fafita, or, or even if it's AJ Brimson, I think that could be definitely devastating for them. Um, I've heard Brew's opinion on the spine, Ryan. Uh, we ha- we've yet to, to hear your sort of opinion on that that way in. It's a young spine, isn't it? I mean, you look at the purely off uh, not only age, but just NRL experience. I know uh, Campbell came in, set the world on fire. Um, Sexton, you could say the same. Brimson hasn't played a lot in the halves, at least in the NRL. He might have done in, in junior footy. Uh, and then I guess the question is they've always needed a number nine. So it's it's tough if you're relying on the Titans' spine to bring out the best of David Fafita. It might be an uphill battle. Uh, Fafita, yeah, at times. I mean, I owned him in, in classic and draft last year. It was just frustrating to watch because you know how good he can be. And I think that's the toughest thing for for the neutrals, but I can only imagine Titans fans who watch and he's parked on that right side and just, it's just get involved, mate. You are literally the biggest and the best player on the field on every day, but just, we just don't see it enough from Fafita. You, you touched on that young spine and I think, I'm not too sure if I have my wires crossed, but I think I read a report that Mitch Rain has been released by the Titans to go um, to Parramatta. Yes. 
So that would really? s- that would see wow. Aaron Booth, you'd think, come into the top thirty and then and start, and, and that even makes the spine. I wouldn't say younger because Aaron Booth is twenty six, but inexperienced from an NRL level. You've got yeah guys that that are all under all under twenty six in that spine, and it'll be a big ask. And if, if someone needs to lead them, it needs to be their front men in Fafita and Tino Fa'asua Malawi. Uh, I know that Brew was itching to say something before we ran it off for intermission. Yeah, just on Fafita, I don't know if the spine affects him too much. I think if he had a good spine, he'd be even better. Because if you think about it last year, how many times did he score when he picked it up from dummy half? And how many times did he score when he actually spread out wide and moved to centre on the right side? There was a lot of tries. I reckon, like, I don't know. But I reckon probably nearly half of his tries came from either dummy half or him moving wider the play. It wasn't necessarily a halfback or a hooker yeah. or a 5'8 that was putting him into a hole. It was just him finally going, I want the ball and doing it himself, which we know he has the strength and capability to do. The problem is he's inconsistent and he only takes the cheap runs. He doesn't take the hard runs. So does David Fafita in this off-season go, you know what, I'm kind of sick of the media and everyone telling me that I'm lazy? And does he take it upon himself to be the leader in that forward pack? Because if he does that, Tommy has 17 tries, he'll smash that. Does he have the actual capability to do that week in and week out for a 25-round season? I don't think so. Can anyone honestly see David Fafita as a leader for pack? No, and, he, and he's 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 not your he's not your your leader. You've got you guys like Jared Wallace and Antonio to, to do the hard work, and and as Bruce said, yeah, like he just needs to chime in. If he can if he can chime in more consistently, then I think there's definitely some value. Um, but we we'll we'll round up with that. We'll come back with Bruce's eleventh pick after this quick short break. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. All right, we are back. Uh, I definitely didn't have to stop the Zoom meeting because I'm too poor to afford more. We're off with Brew and his 11th pick, mate. Who have we got? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Um, <laughs> with my next pick of the draft, I take uh, Payne Haas. Um, the reason I do this, we've pretty much kind of discussed similar reasons throughout this podcast. He's the best front row forward, in my opinion. It's a shallow position. Um, it's not a very deep position. Every year, classic or draft, it's one of those positions where you're kind of not sure who to take. But one thing you can be sure on is that Payne Haas will probably be the top player in that position. Um, so I'm taking the standout. Uh, Kevy tried to cut his minutes back last year. It's all the error in his ways. They played a lot better at the back end of the season when Haas was playing big minutes. So I think Kevy might have learned from his mistake and he'll go back to Payne playing, say, at least 65, 70 minutes a week. And if he does, that's all he needs. We know he's going to pretty much go point per minute. We know he's got that upside of a, you know, a tackle tackle bust, a line break, try. Uh, he's going to get those from time to time and that'll push him up over 80 average or 75, 80, which is elite for that position. You're not going to get many that can come close to that. And that is why I pick Payne Haas. I think Payne Haas benefits a lot from the alleged, and I repeat alleged, reports are that Adam from Blake is standing pretty still on the unvax situation. If AFB was to be playing the full season next year, I think Haas 
his value may drop a little bit because you do have that other option. Yeah, I mean, you, you said that Kevy was looking to play him in lower minutes last year. I think Todd Payton should have a look in the similar mould and just play Tamalolo in big minutes because it's, it's the best thing for the team. But Payne Haas, an absolute weapon last year once he got those minutes back. Um, he's just improving his attacking output week on week. Yeah. And, and he's becoming more of a link man through the middle, which, which I really like as well. I don't know if I like him at 11. Um, I think we've got some other guys that will come on up come up on this list that I'd prefer to take higher, but I understand the reasoning behind him being the sole front row option, so you're taking the best thing there, which is which is Ryan's point. Uh, Tom, do you want to weigh in on the Haas debate? Yeah, when the Broncos finally sort their shit out and become good again, Payne Haas is going to score 10 to 12 tries. I do not want to miss out on that year. He's the, he's the best front rower, AFB. Haas, Daylight, AFB. Haas is the best front row in the competition. Um, and I really like what Ryan said before, that you want when you're at the back end of a draft, like if you're doing a 12-team draft and you're 11, make sure you get that point of difference player. Don't get the fifth best fullback. Get the number one front rower. Yeah, I think, I think that depends. If you're playing captain's leagues, you want to go for the highest ceiling. If you're playing non-captain's leagues, yeah, try and try and stuff your, your draft teammates with, um, I guess, taking the best player. Um, Tom, you're back on the hook. You, you took picked four and five. You're now on the clock with 11 and 13. Sorry, 12 and 13. Uh, who have you taken at 12? Yeah, I was, I was spewing. I didn't get um, Payne Haas at 12 here, but I'm very happy with this pick. I've taken Cameron Munster. Uh, another one of those players that goes under the radar and just seems to score without doing much, um, whether that's a little palm off, you know, tackle break and things like this. Like he averaged 74 last year and I would say he had a terrible year. Yep. Like I had, I had him in our fig jam dynasty league all last year and he just like, it's just a sort of set and forget captain. Um, 74, not doing much, you know, you just throw the C on him all year. He might get a 45 here and there, but he's going to go next week. He's going to get 95. So um, I think he's a fairly safe player and, yeah, very happy with him at pick a – what am I up to? 12, is it? Yeah, pick, I'm not sure about that captain comment um, because, you know, when Tom Trebojevic is banging out 200 and your captain's banging out 75. Yeah, I'm up, well. I'm up plus 300. But <laughs> I will say that – Munster, we spoke about a lot last year on the podcast, and I commented on the same thing. Munster does nothing and bangs out 65 every single week. So he's the kind of guy that you can just pick him. You know that he's probably not going to get 200, like I just said with Turbo, but you know he's going to get you 60 to 80 a week, and you can just bank on that. And for that reason, I don't mind the pick, and I don't think that's a position where there is a plethora of options this year. There's a lot that carry risk. And I'm going to talk about one with that carries risks very shortly. But I don't mind Munster because he's very safe. You just need to factor in that he does start the year suspended. The, the thing with Munster yeah. is, and you, you watch all these Melbourne Storm games, and I feel like we say this year on year, and, and when it comes to Supercoach, we say, oh, what if he just puts it all together? What if he just becomes that that guy? Mm. And I feel like we're saying that year after year. And it, this is going to age terribly. Someone's going to clip this out when he averages 110 next year. But I feel like he's always just going to be that 75 average guy. Like, it just... I don't know what has to happen for him to become the man. But, like, it just seems like players around him are continually developing. You look at Hines, you look at Hughes, you look at Pappenhausen. Like, these guys are all taking that next step. Look, I I am one of the biggest Queensland fans there is. And and Munster in a Queensland jersey is phenomenal. But when it comes to club footy, it just feels like he's just going through the motions a bit and... 
he looks so deadly, but it just never never comes off. He, he's one of those guys that if you watch, you could say, yeah, 200 score is coming, um, but it's it just never comes together. Is, is that a fair assessment, Ryan? Absolutely, and I think you've you've kind of hit it on the head there. It's, it's always next week for, for Munster, and I think he's almost hurt by how good the Storm are, if that makes yes. sense. And the the sheer strike around him, the speed in, in obviously Pappenhausen goes without saying, Nico Hines last year, even Jerome Hughes, I'd argue, is probably more of an explosive running half than Munster, who almost built his game around that, uh, mm-hmm. dating back to 2015-16. I know he was playing a bit of fullback at the time, but that's how he sort of burst onto the scene as such an explosive, tackle-busting, meter-eating runner. 27 now, turning 28 next year. Maybe he's happy to sort of sit back and take on that more, you know, happy to dish the the more you know, seniority role. sort of player. Absolutely. And he, yeah. he, he kind of has to do that, I think, with, you know, Kronk and Smith not there anymore. He is the elder head who's been there for years on end. And um, it might be good for the Storm, but it might not be so good for super coaches. Look, I, I think his super coach game is friendly. Like, he will always be that 70 guy. He, he loves a tackle. He loves a oh, run. Yeah. But... Oh, I just feel like his draft stock year year upon year is just falling out the way. Like we look at we look at American sports, we look at football, we look at basketball. And we always talk about these rookies who who they're one year away, they're they're one year away. And I like 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 I said to Ryan, I feel like we're saying that with Munster every year. And he was 23, 24. He was this young, inexperienced head who had all this potential in the world. And we're now three or four years later, and we're still saying he's this young head full of potential and just doing um, silly silly stuff off the field, which which I think will hurt his his game time. But uh, Tom, you're on the hook, mate. Uh, who are we taking with the 13th pick? Next pick, uh, I think he picks himself here, Angus Crichton. Um, I think he's the – is he the first pure 2RF off the board? No, for feeder. I think he might. No, for feeder. Oh, for feeder. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, again, I'm I'm taking Crichton this high because I'm gambling on Kiri to have a massive year, just like Tedesco. Um, Kiri's arguably the second best halfback in the comp and – when he's fit and yeah, I think, you know, Angus Crichton is going to absolutely feed off that. So yeah, he averaged 74 and a half last year. Angus Crichton again, didn't have a great year. Roosters didn't have a great year. If Roosters are all fit and firing. Angus Crichton's going to score 15 tries um, and he's going to average 90 points. So I'm taking Angus Crichton at 13. As the Roosters fan, Brew, uh, weigh in on Angus Crichton. My biggest risk, or not my biggest risk, my, my biggest thing with him from a classic and a draft standpoint is the fact that he will breathe on a guy and it seems to be getting two weeks now with his judiciary record. Yeah. Um, I'm not really going to factor that into my decision-making. I'm just going to hope that Trent Robinson fixes those little indiscrepancies out of his game. What I will say is that Tedesco had his second-best season last year and... Angus Crichton had, Tom, you called it a disappointing season. And I guess it was a disappointing season. I think the whole Roosters had a disappointing season. <sighs> but they like, They still come fourth. They finished fifth. You're going to have a second year out of Walker. He's going to be bigger. He's going to be stronger. You're going to have Kiri back. You're going to have your forwards back. You're going to get Lindsay Collins back and getting a bit of stock into that pack. Like, you say they had a bad year, but... <sighs> Can you imagine oh, the side if they click next year? I'm, that's what I'm like, saying. Like, they could be elite. They like yeah. they could be Penrith Melbourne level from the last two years this coming year. The only question mark on And on if the- they are, 
I can't really knock any of these picks of the Roosters mm. players, but it is a massive risk. And that's coming from a Roosters fan because you're asking Kiri to be the yeah. like the main difference maker. You're still going to have a relatively green halfback who's undersized. The, 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 and the thing you're is, still going to have... Yeah, go. The thing, the thing is, like, I think Crichton's a huge tick because of how weak your left center situation is. If Kiri is going to the line on the left hand side and he looks out and sees a Sawali, a Billy Smith, or, or, or whoever, and he sees Angus Crichton run the great hole, I think I know who I'm hitting. So I think that's a big plus for Crichton. The fact that the men on his outside, um, or not not Tubo, but but the men on his outside in in whoever the center will be, I think Crichton's going to see a lot more ball with with Kiri back. Hundred percent. And I don't argue that. And I'm going to hold a little bit of ammo for later in the preseason when we go through um, team analysis. But like Verrills or Watson, and I, I debated this last podcast, whoever starts hooker, they're both very good passes from right to left. That's going to go into his favour. Kiri, we know, can put anybody through a hole at any given time. And we know that Teddy sweeps. So there's so much plus for Angus. I don't knock it. Do I think that he was the best player in the position on the draft board right now? I disagree with that. I think we probably could have taken him later, but I did the same thing. I got a little bit stuck in the, on picking my own draft side with some of my picks. And you'll see that with my next pick that I don't knock Tom for it. I don't know if he is number 14 or whatever we're up to, but is he the second best edge back rower in this class? Yes. hundred percent. Just on Angus before we move on here, something it's probably hard to put into numbers, and I know we do this primarily 99% based off numbers from years gone by and obviously assessing team uh, trades and, and form and such, but something you can't put into numbers is having games back at the cricket ground or at least back in Sydney for the Roosters. They yeah. made that place a fortress in, uh, I think it was 19, uh, or it might have been 18, 19, whenever they went to go and, and win the comp. And Trent Robertson speaks about what he does and the emphasis he puts on playing at the cricket ground. Um, I think what we saw from the Eels in 2019 when they went to Bank West, they scored 10 points per game more at home in 2019 as opposed to they did in 2020 when they were on the road with no crowds. Not saying it's going to be the case for the Roosters, but obviously I think there is some merit in their back playing in front of their home fans at the cricket ground. Such a unique place to play rugby league. The Roosters could benefit from that again. Yeah, great. Yeah, great, and I 100 percent agree with that. Sorry to chime in, but we're talking about the Roosters, so I can't not. I will get stats for whenever we do a Roosters podcast later in the year on this, because their winning record at the SCG was phenomenal. They won like 14 from 15 games the last season that Brian was talking about, and I think it was 2019, the year they won the comp. I'll get some statistics on it because I know they scored at least 30 plus, and I think 80 percent of those games. On the Angus Crichton situation, Brew, you mentioned picking high ceiling players, and your next pick it's gonna raise <laughs> it's gonna raise some eyebrows. I feel, mate. Yeah, this one might be a little bit controversial. Um, so I picked Nico Hines, and I know people are on the fence with Nico Hines for next season. And don't get me wrong, I've talked negatively already in our preseason about Nico Hines from a classic perspective, but. Draft doesn't have prices. So you're not paying a price for him. You're picking a position. And this guy should have dual position. It's just whether he's dual 5'8 halfback or whether he's dual halfback fullback 
fullback, 5'8", whatever direction they go, he'll be dual. So there is a benefit there. And there, and that, I said it earlier, it comes in massive, massive advantage at some point during your draft season if you have dual position players. So for that reason, I picked him. You've potentially got a guy that's going to be a goal-kicking half. In this day and age, we, like there's not that many gun goal-kicking halves or goal-kicking 5.8s. So if you can take one that's a dual, and if he was to be 5.8, which I think might be a weak position this year, I'm not super high on Cody Walker next year. I think he's going to buckle under the pressure of not having Adam Reynolds in that side. And I think it's going to get to him. We've seen in the past that sometimes in high-pressure situations, he folds like a deck of cards. I can see that happening to him next year. He's probably not a guy I'm going to start classic with. And that that might be a hot take, but for me, I think he's probably going to, without Reynolds, really suffer. So I think there's opportunities here at 5'8". And for that reason, if he was to be available at 5'8", he's someone I'd definitely take a chance on. Mate, I, I don't think Cody Walker is the hot take thing you've said there. Um, I've seen where Ryan's projected Hines to go. Um, Bruce, take this one off, mate. Grab the driver out of the bag. I'll let you tee off on this one. <laughs> Look, um, the beauty of draft is, is it's so subjective, right? And Brew makes some great points there, which I can't really argue with. But what I, I mean, I asked a couple of questions about Nico Hines uh, on my Instagram during the week when I was sort of assessing draft options and prospects for next season. The first one is, is can he lead a team week in, week out as the man, as the playmaker? Um, and that's what he's going uh, to Cronulla to be, right? Um, obviously, they've got some young halves there with uh, Trindle and Metcalf, and I think um, Moylan will play some sort of role there. But the dual position thing, and I'll just touch on that quickly before we you know, move this on. The beauty of Hines being dual position last year, I feel, was the center wing eligibility. You weren't playing Hines as, well, I know I wasn't personally playing him as a fullback. The value was purely as the CTW. If he does get in as a dual position this year, which I agree, I think he will, but I think he'll be a fullback 5-8. I don't think he'll be a halfback. Or he'll be one one of the half slots and a fullback. I think he just played too many, too, too many minutes last year at fullback, so they, they got to Correct. put him there. Yeah, um, again, don't. in a draft league, am I playing Nico Hines at fullback ahead of one of the better fullback options, which you've already mentioned? Probably not. To pick him at pick 14, is he the best? Is, well, I'll say this. Is he the second best or third best 5-8? TBC, we don't know because we he, he haven't seen enough. He definitely could be, and that's the thing. He he, he could be. He could so be. You... But 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 are you risking a pick at pick fourteen? Exactly, what exactly. And that, that, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> is is could be good enough for pick fourteen? I don't think it is. I think there's one man that we have left off. Look, he does get drafted. I think he drafted nineteen or twentieth. Uh, that I think has been massively slept on. Who I could fill a job better at halfback than what Hines can. I understand the goal kicking, but there's a lot of moving pieces to come into the shark side. An inexperienced coach coming out of a good system, yes, but it's just a lot of moving pieces to happen um, for Nico Hines to hit the ground running. If he finds form with what he did last year, going to be unreal. I just worry about him having the ball closer to the ruck rather than at full backwards, which, which is what he did last year, uh, and, and being able to finish off a lot more. I have the 15th pick. This is a very safe pick, but I, it's, I don't. I think it's hard to, to argue uh, in taking Cam Murray now. The guy is just coming into his own week, week in, week out, year after year. Tipped to be the Australian captain in a couple of years. 
an experienced head on a young set of shoulders. He will give you his all week in, week out. Tom, we haven't heard from you. What are our thoughts on Cam Murray going somewhere in the mid-second round? Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, I can't really argue with it. There's a few high upside players that get picked after Cam Murray that I would take ahead of him. Um, yeah, it's, it's got to be interesting South next year. No Bennett. There is a, there's a hooker at South who we haven't talked about yet. Uh, and I think South are going to revolve a lot around him this year, um, unleashing. And, and if, if he does get unleashed, then, you know, players like Cam Murray, Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell could go ballistic. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. No Reynolds, no Bennett. I don't know. Is that no South? It's it's really hard to say. But yeah, Cam Murray, you know, just in tackles alone, he's going to get 50 points. So he's a fine pick in the middle of the second. And then you, you made the point if, and another one of these Cam Munn situations, we keep saying if, if, if mm. Damien Cook can find this thing with these new rules, Cam Murray is going to be the, the biggest winner out of that. So... Time will yeah, tell. It's a very safe. Sure. It's a very safe pick. I think he's a safe sixty-five points, regardless of what happens with the upside of going 80, 85. Uh, Ryan, you're on the turn, mate. Yep, yeah, uh, pick sixteen. I went with Jerome Hughes. I think uh, probably cemented himself last year alone as the second best halfback option in, in well, in my eyes anyway, behind Nathan Cleary. Ooh, I guess a knock on him is he doesn't goals. Yeah, I mean, I just. I just think what we've seen, I've already sort of mentioned about um, the running role that he has. He's almost, Melbourne have almost gone the other way, whereas they, they turned the fullback role from a fullback into a half. They've almost turned their halves into fullbacks. Uh, I mean, Slater was the quintessential one that played six almost, and Hughes is almost the six, which or the one which also plays well, seven now. Uh, but is yeah, sixteen. I think it's we weren't drafting teams, but it's hard not to to grab a halfback to pick sixteen. Definitely. And with seventeen, mate, who are we taking? Yeah, this is sort of where I went away from that team mantra uh, and just grabbed the next best player, who I thought was Caelan uh, Ponga, pick seventeen. Uh, traditionally, a top ten player in years gone by. So to get him late in the second, I think that's a it's a value pick. I think there's a lot of question marks surrounding Ponga. Which, which have him fall to 17. So I think it's a perfectly fine pick this late on. And if, if Ponga does fall out of your top 10 in your drafts, I wouldn't be too surprised. We've, we've got no Mitchell Pierce next year. We know that Ponga benefits very well off him. Goal kicking was a big concern for Ponga last year. It looks like he's been taken over by Clifford. Looks to be at the moment Adam Clune is going to line up as the seven potentially with the new recruit or, or even someone like a Phoenix Croslin. Ponga is looking to play both sides of the field. We know that he performs best. Uh, on the left-hand side, he's trying to expand his game, which I think is going to hurt Supercoach. And I think the gap between him and Yulatrell's teddies and paps, I think it's just too much to be taking him in, in what we've taken him in previous years. Uh, Brew, your head's down. I hope you're prepared. I'm going to come to you with the, with the Ponga analysis. Uh, so with Ponga, um, I actually, in hindsight, can't believe that he didn't go top 10. I just think he's upside of 150-plus... Uh, in the highest scoring position. We probably got it a little wrong and went a little bit team-based. I, I, I Honestly, in, in a real draft with 10 or 12 blokes, I don't know how you can't take him in the top 10. And if he does fall out of the top 10, my advice would be to take him because I don't think you're going to get a season as bad as he had last year. He can. We know what he can do. 
and last year was shit house. It really was. As soon as Clifford came, he fell off a cliff. Clifford kind of kept going, you know, he kept going to Pierce and he kept cutting out Ponga and Ponga was just sitting out the back going, give me the ball. But he wasn't demanding it. And I think in the off season, that coach is going to say to him, you demand this ball. I'm not going to say you're the best player on this team, demand the ball, but that is essentially what the Knights need to do because without Pierce, it's going to fall on Ponga because you're not going to get it from Clifford or Clune. Clune's very good, and I think he would actually be a good player for them because I think he was severely underrated by the Dragons. They don't see the good in him. He was far better at controlling that team than Corey Norman was. But Kalen Pong is a match winger. Sorry, match winner, not winger. Um, and they need to give him the ball more. So for me, he's, he's that 10 to 15 range no later. It feels like I'm the only one on the anti-Ponga train here. I just worry that they use him similar to a Fafita, where he's just like, all right, you chime in when you need to. Um, whereas in his earlier years, it was all Ponga, give me the ball. Similar to a Reese Walsh this year, I just worry that, that he falls off a cliff a little bit. I'll make a bold prediction as it stands now. Ponga is averaging under 75 next year. Uh, I'll, I'll put my put my hammer in the ground. Munster was, was, that Munster was at 11, average, average 74. <laughs> Yeah, but the thing with the thing with Munster is he doesn't have that bottoming floor that Ponga does. Like Pong, like you won't see Munster go for twenty. Whereas I feel like yeah. Ponga can just fade and and, and at, at fullback in a side that is being dominated, you're not going to get as many chances. Whereas if you're at six, you're still going to get your hands on the pill and and do something with it. And and Munster is a much safer pick than Ponga because Ponga does have that huge upside as Brew has touched on, but I feel like he's just got a crushing floor. And we saw that at the end of last year. And until proven otherwise, I'm happy to have Ponga outside the sort of top 14, 15. Uh, in saying that, it is my next and last pick. And for as much as we've spoken about him and as much as everyone is raving about him, he's fallen to 18 to me. And, and if he fell to 18 in your draft, I'd be jumping all over the moon. And it is one Luke Keery. Ryan, are you are you a, are you a believer as much as these other two uh, numbnuts are as to he's going to set the world alight? Uh, I don't know about numbnuts, but uh, absolutely. I think Kiri, what he brings to this team is again, it's hard to put into to numbers really. Um, the leadership qualities, he's an Origin level half, or at least he has been in the past. The question mark, I know you questioned McInnes going so early, coming off an injury. Uh, Kiri, obviously, the same injury. I think he's older than we actually think he is, Luke Kiri, as well. He's about like he, 28, 29. 20, 20, I, thought, I, thought, yeah, yeah, I thought 26, 27, but he, he is deceivingly older. Yeah, he's got that baby face, which sort of, uh, I guess, yeah, makes you think he's just burst on the scene. But yeah. Anyway, long story short, I think Kiri, obviously, he is in the elite half in the NRL. How that translates into super coach coming off an injury, I think he'll obviously be benefited by the players we've already mentioned in Tedesco and Crichton. Uh, interesting with Kiri is I think in the past he has kicked goals and obviously Roosters goal kicking last year was atrocious. I think they went through four, maybe four or five different goal kickers at different stages. So if he can bed down the goal kicking, which is something we haven't mentioned yet about Kiri, but if he can take that off a Takeyaha or even a Sam Walker who was okay off the tee, he wasn't brilliant Sam Walker, suddenly Kiri's probably uh, a top 10 level player uh, given, again, we've already spoken about Cleary uh, and, of course, uh, Miko Hines about halves who kick goals. Uh, Kiri could just be the golden goose here. 
the thing that I really like about Kieran, and it's got nothing to do with him, it's the fact that New South Wales won Origin last year. Now, I think Freddie's a very brave man to break up the Luai-Cleary combination. So that surely sees more game time for, for Kiri over, over that period. And no disrespect to Drew Hutchinson, but Kiri is, is by far and away a more superior player. He's going to... I think I think Robbo's going to run a lot of his offense through Kiri. I think Sam Walker is still so young, and now he's going to have an experienced elite half to sort of look at and mold off. So I think I think it's all going to run through Kiri. I think Teddy's going to be a big winner out of that. I think Crichton, as, as we've touched on. And look, are, are we happy to take him as high as 18 with the injury history? Obviously, if he's fully fit, uh, he could borderline be top 10. But with with the injury yeah. history, I, I'm not as worried as a McInnes because he's not going to have to run up and down the line of, of, of scrimmage and make and make 40 tackles a game. But yeah, if, if he if he is if he is fully fit, top 10. But at 18, are we happy? So why why at the start of 2021, Luke Keary was fully fit. Now, I've just raved about Luke Keary all podcast. I love the bloke. And I think he's the centrepiece of the Roosters possibly winning the comp next year. But why Luke Keary was fully fit at the start of 2021 and he was a fourth-round pick. Why is he now suddenly a second-round pick? What did he do in the first two rounds? What did oh, he, he went huge. What did he, he show? Was, what, did he, what, what did he show with, 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 with a lack of quality? Not quality, but like a lack of... of ball playing experience around him. No Victor Radley as well. It all fell down to him. We saw exactly what he did and and he was devastating. And I think if you can get the stack of of Teddy Keary, you are you are in dreamland. Also one what thing we haven't touched on yet is the Roosters and obviously I don't know, maybe a long bow to draw, but mentioned the SCG factor, but we also haven't touched on yet the amount of experience they've lost uh in Cordner, friend, the Morris bro- uh, brothers. Um, again, it's it's hard to put into numbers in super coach terms what that brings to a team. Suddenly, these guys are going to be looking to Kiri, a premiership winner, an origin player. He is the man now. And I think even in Cronk's shadow, even though they won comps together, he wasn't the man. He won the Clive Churchill. He still wasn't the man. Everyone was talking about Cronk after that grand final. Like, I think Kiri is now finally, it's taken a couple of years. He's played along some great halves in Reynolds and then obviously Cooper Cronk. He's the man. He, he has to be the one for the Roosters. I think that is the difference here. Uh, Tom, you, you were asking what his scores were in the in. Sort of first first two rounds. He, he went he went 70 and 123 against Manly and the Tigers. Uh, did, did went for a 33 against, uh, I think it is here, the Bunnies, but that was the game he did his injury. So that is an average of... I meant, yeah. That, that is an average of what? What about 2020? Why, so? why he was always sort of considered like a low base half like he was a Cooper Cronk type super coach player um at the start of last year I just I just think he's adding more more strings to his bow and we saw that in the first two rounds there's some more taking on the line yeah, um, yeah Ryan Ryan made some good points about him being the man there at the Roosters Ryan's made yeah. many good points this podcast uh so <laughs> awesome um I think it, I think it's I think it's brew with the 19th pick and we'll, we'll wrap things up very very shortly before I do that, I'll just say one thing. I do not in any way, shape, or form support picking Kiri. And that's for yeah. a Roosters fan. So I'm I'll just you. leave it at that, and I'll discuss that more when we discuss the Roosters later in the season. Uh, I will go on to my pick, which is Daily Cherry Evans. 
Yeah, this is this is this is. Uh, I I can't. Sorry, yeah. to cut you off, but I, I cannot get my head around how the fact that we've let DC here slip to nineteen. All of us. I just put up a post. How did you take Kiri? <laughs> that's what that, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like I, I can't understand how. I think I fell into the I fell into the trap of picking a team as well. I, I thought like oh, I've got I've got Cleary here. Let's take Kiri. Like, yep. And that's. The and I think we probably all did, and it might have been a little bit affected by the fact we did this with just four experts rather than do it with twelve guys. Um, so that probably did affect some of our decisions, but. On to Cherry Evans. So Cherry Evans in the last 10 rounds of the season scored, I think it was six tons. Some of those tons were massive. I think his five round average was nearly nearly a hundred. I think I've got it. I'll try and bring it up. Uh, so 119 was his three round average to finish the season. 99 was his five round average. Now I didn't work out his 10 round average, but if you've got six tons in there, it's going to be pretty bloody big. That's phenomenal. And that, that is the Tom Trebojevic factor. You get Manly, Rippon and Taron at full strength, which they pretty much were at the back end of the season. Cherry Evans going to profit from that. It's not always going to be Tom Trebojevic. There's going to be periods where the key man in that team that is not named Tom Trebojevic, that is daily Cherry Evans. So he's going he's gonna to benefit heavily from that. And in my opinion, he is the second best halfback in the comp, and he would be my second picked at halfback. Agreed, agreed, and agreed. Tom, you are rounding off our 20-man mock draft where, to peel back the curtain, it took us, I don't know what, the good part of 15 minutes to put this together. We, we didn't we didn't sit down and, and, and work this out. Close to the season, we'll get you two back on, and, and we'll actually do a proper mock draft, and we'll, we'll get all things sorted for the people out there. But, Tom, with the last pick of the draft, you alluded to him before... Yeah, I'm I'm taking Damian Cook, and I'm absolutely stoked to get him at twenty. It's a massive gamble, and I'm gambling on Damian Cook taking control of South Sydney uh, in 2022. He, there's they've got so many weapons there, but they haven't got a leader. They haven't even got Wayne Bennett, who is to be a leader. So, I think it's Damian Cook's year. He averaged 65 last year, had a horrible Super Coach year. He, he has the ability to win a matchup by himself in draft, I noticed. So, so he might have a down week. He might score a 35. But then the next week, he'll score 135. Completely out of the blue. It might be a terrible matchup. And he'll score 135 against Melbourne or something crazy like that. And you just go, he just scored 32 against the Bulldogs. And he... And you think, okay, my opponent's got Cookie against the Mel against the Storm, and you're like, oh, shit it in this week. Here's, here's another dub, and then he just goes and scores a ton, and and that's why I'm taking Cookie because he has the ability to win a head-to-head matchup by himself, pretty much. Um, and, and it's Damian Cook, like you can't leave him out of your top twenty. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there. Like if you're looking at your draft. At 4:30 on a Sunday afternoon, you're down by 100. You've just got Cookie to play. You're never out of it. You might lose mm. by you might lose by 70 on the occasional week, but you are, you might also get get the dub. And, and that's the thing. It's it's one of these potential things we keep talking about with these new rule changes. We thought Damien Cook would become uh, the second coming of, of whoever you want to put bloody Bryce Cartwright 2016 times with Cameron Smith playing hooker. Like we we thought that he <laughs> he would just be the man. And unfortunately, it hasn't done that. But there's always that that upside with Cookie. Yeah, go, bro. I was going to say just uh, Damien Cook pre 
uh, Wayne Bennett, basically. We thought that's what he was going to become. Um, Tom, I will say this. You've actually inspired me on your uh, talk about thank you thank you about them minus those two i'm actually going to do some research on damian cook pre wayne bennett uh and compare it to his stats during that time because i think you're right i think if he was unleashed and went back to his running days at hooker he could be anything like he could be the number one guy like he was three years ago so you've actually inspired me by the time we do a south sydney podcast uh, josh and i i will have research done and I will personally deliver it to you and give you that stats. Gentlemen, that is the top 20. There are some big names that are missing. The ones off the top of my head, Gutho, uh, Isaiah Papali'i, Ruben Garrick. I mean, Ruben Garrick was the second most point scorer last year, not on the top 20. Matt Duffy. Jason Tamalolo. Jason Tamalolo, another big one. Like th- <laughs> there, is, there is a lot of depth in draft. Um, for you guys that have never played draft, I would recommend doing it. It's it's a bundle of fun. You become very attached to your team. It's not like classic where you can just flick players after they've had a week or two of poor results. Draft is is extremely fun. Like you you get a lot of enjoyment out of it. You be, you grow a bond to your players, and I'm sure that um, myself, Brew, Ryan, and Tom will all be making plenty of draft content this year. Uh, don't flame us too much in the comments. As I said, this uh, draft took about 15 minutes to to complete. Um, I have dropped my top 10 over on the on my Instagram at SC Whisperer. Uh, Ryan has been dropping a lot of player profiles with the new recruits over on his socials, which is just Supercoach365. Uh, as always, Brew, I'll be joined by your ugly head probably next week if we'll find something to talk about. Tom, we'll get you back on during the preseason, but you're doing a lot of great stuff in the NFL community. For you guys out there that do play a bit of fantasy football, uh, I recommend checking out Fig Jam Dynasty Sports. You'll most likely see mine and Bruce face every Thursday night. Chatting a lot of waffle. Boys, it's been a pleasure to have you all on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.